Welcome back to the State of the Arc podcast. My name is Mike. My name is Kason. And we are joined once again for our final episode of Xenosaga Episode 1 by TJ the Emperor. Hello. And a second guest as well. We have Keith with us. Uh, Keith, I'm going to pass it on to you really quick to give us a little bit of background on who you are. Um, but we wanted to at least point people to some of your work and what you do. Lifespan.io, as well as Life Noggin, which is the YouTube channel. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that, a little bit about your background with the Xeno games and uh, why you're so passionate about them? Uh, go for it. And uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. I've actually been watching your content for many years and uh, oh, cool. a big fan of everything Xeno. So this is kind of like, a, I'm geeking out a little bit uh, to be able to do this. Uh, of course. <laughs> so, hello everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Keith Kimito. As mentioned, I'm the president of a nonprofit called Lifespan.io, which raises funds and awareness for research aimed at ending age-related disease and extending healthy human lifespan, which as you can imagine, has something perhaps to do with this game. Possibly, uh, yes. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, additionally, I spearhead R&D projects for Disney and invented some technologies, but probably can't talk about that too much. Cool. But uh, some of the technologies that I've invented that I can talk about are biomarker related uh, that appear in this game in one form or the other. So that could be really cool. Um, in addition to that, I have a passionate interest in comparative mythology, psychoanalysis, philosophy like you all. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. like many people, many of your uh, uh, audience, I'm sure, Xenogears is my number one favorite game of all time. And back in the day, there was this old website called Xenogears God in Mind. And I used to write my one as a teenager, like Gnostic analysis of whatever I knew. Ah, as a good. And that is the same kind of stuff that one of your earlier guests uh, was uh, Petrico Holland, right? Had read that yeah. same stuff and then that kind of influenced him. So it's a funny yeah, community. Yeah, yeah. That's birthing out of the uh, the ancient Xenogears crew. So. Yes, and it spans awesome. for decades at this point. So that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, keep it alive. I'm I'm always so fascinated by just some of the like incredible things that people who watch our channel do. Like, <laughs> like it seems to constantly surprise me. I get messages from Patreon or get messages from yeah. people on Twitter, and it's like the things that these people are involved in. I'm always just like, oh wow! Like you're watching, <laughs> you're watching my YouTube channel, <laughs> listen to my podcast. I feel like uh, so uh, disqualified to be talking about this. So, right. uh, in any case, we appreciate you being on with us, Keith. Um, I'm I'm really excited to hear about some of the things you want to talk about. Um, we're gonna save that a little bit for the end uh, as we try to get through the final section of the game, the final dungeon here, which is the Proto-Merkaba. Um, we, we left off right as uh, the party was about to go in there. I think there are a couple of um, optional bosses at this point, I think, like Great Joe and uh, oh, yeah. some... What's the other one, TJ? There's another one that I didn't do, but it's, yeah, it's, it, like, a, it's like a little doll-looking It's a doll girl. thing, yeah. I don't remember her name. Um, mil, mil, it, it sounds like oh, Milsha, mi, but that's not uh, it. Min, Mintia, I believe. Mintia, that's ah, it. Mintia. Yeah. Um, and I don't think any of those are like, you know, plot or lore relate. You know, they're just yeah. they're just there for yeah. Just kind of make fun. the game longer. They're just kind of fun. Yeah. 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 I was wondering about that because I didn't know if they had a lot of significance or any significance lore wise. No, I didn't do them. I didn't do either of them, but I saw like a video about it. Yeah, but I, I, didn't, I wanted to ask that first. Yeah, I usually skip over them as well, just because they're they're just basically there for the fight. Yeah. Well, Joe was kind of a recurring character in Xenogears, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was, was from the um from, from which time from period Zebulim, was it? Yeah. It yeah, was the Zebulim, Zebulim, the Zebulim time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And uh, he was he was called Big Joe in Xenogears, if yeah, I'm that's right. not mistaken. Yeah. He was so, fun. Did he have a, so, like a heart tattoo on his face or something? Am I remembering yeah. right? Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> his, I think his character was based on Sil- Sylvester Stallone, something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, right. So, anyways, there's a couple of extra things like that you can do. There's all like card yeah. game. There's yeah, uh, there's like the, a, a bunch of side stuff. There's the robot quest, the robot academy quest. Right. Um, um, isn't that where you like assemble parts and? They kind yeah, of look like bring... gummy ships from like Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, or they're something. like yeah, they're Kingdom Hearts gummy <laughs> uh, ships. Yes. And you get like four or five of them, and then they you can like they can combine into the uh, basically the strongest attack in the game, which is this giant super robot thing called Erde Kaiser. Mm. And that's sort of mm. like well, it's is kind that a of reference to the elements thing in Xenogears. It's it's kind meant to evoke that, yeah. Um, and it's it's basically because Tetsuya Takahashi is a robot anime nerd. Oh uh, um, yes. <laughs> although those uh, the the professor and uh, the assistant I can't remember his name of the robot academy do show up in the other two games. Um, oh, they do. Oh, cool. they, they're cool. recurring. Okay. They they are recurring. Yeah. All right. Okay, so you know a few things like that. I didn't really have much to say about it. Sounds like there's not too yeah, much there, significance. There's to really them, not. But, yeah. Okay. So at this point, uh, you fly into the Proto Macaba. They're on the Elsa. Yeah. And, you know what's uh, crazy? So before this all happens, um, I can't remember her name. Yuli, Yuli. Uh, yeah, Yuli She's right. just like she's just in utter disbelief that the Merkaba even exists, right? right? And one of the lines here is that uh, Proto Merkaba was dumped into the abyss. Now this is mm. something that I didn't um, bring up in the last episode, but. The abyss has a very particular meaning, especially as it relates to the Bible. Um, the mm-hmm. word for the uh, for abyss, the Hebrew word, uh, is tehom, and it's a translation. It basically refers to the primordial waters before mm. the earth, where before anything was created. Um, and so, uh, tehom in original Hebrew is the abyss. So I wonder about that. When something is put into the abyss, it's returned to the primordial chaos from which the entire world was created in the beginning. Um, and Tehom is a cognate kind of with the word uh, Tiamat, which is the Babylonian goddess right, that the yeah. world was created right. out of. Right. So it's like you throw the proto-Merkaba into the mouth of this great dragon, you know, into the abyss, into the into the beyond. But the abyss, biblically, is a generative place. It's a place uh, where things sure. can dissolve and be remade. I don't know if that's like relevant to exactly what happens, um, but it's interesting mm-hmm. when they talk about the abyss, just knowing what that refers to in Hebrew, it's not like, so like it's gone forever. It's, yeah. it's more, uh, it's it goes more in there to be remade sort of thing. Something, or yeah. at least it can be, right? It go, it yeah. returns to the primordial waters from which everything was created to begin with. So it's like, okay, well, then it can come back out of that, right? Sure. It's not like yeah. it's gone forever. I remember right. back in the day, I, I was reading The Lord of the Rings, right? And I'm like, dude, you can just get rid of that ring, man. And I started thinking in my mind, I was like, just throw it out into the ocean. And it's like, okay, but, 3,000 years, 4,000 years later, someone is going to find it. Yeah. Somehow, mm-hmm. somebody's going to fall in the water, someone's going to go fishing, a fish or something. No, there's nowhere you can put the ring that given enough time, it will not eventually resurface and be found again. Right. And it's not like Sauron and Morgoth it's not like they don't have time. <laughs> like they can just wait. They Nothing can just but time. wait. Now Morgoth is kind of like out of the world and all that stuff. But sure. um, anyways, it, th- this idea that if you throw something away for that, it's gone forever is like mm. it. That's just not how it works. Anyways. Right. Um, yeah, that's an interesting note. I didn't even make the connection. Yeah. there. With well, the this is cool. So Tiamat is actually an enemy you fight in the game. Yeah, uh, right. One I remember of the that. Um, gnosis, oh, yeah. I think right. is in the form of like a dragon named Tiamat. 
Yeah. yeah, which is yeah. the reference to the Babylonian. Yeah, dragon. yeah, it was the boss yeah. at the end of the encephalon dive. Yes, at the end. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, that was it at the encephalon dive. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. So there probably is something there, or there might not be. It's fifty-fifty, right? With references. the funny thing. People who've read all the works and have played all the games, they know that it's like, oh, Kaysen's wrong, you know. It's like, I don't know, like this stuff's here and it's interesting and it's cool. At the very least, it's interesting, right? Yeah. Um, Okay, so as far as like notes that I took inside of the the final dungeon itself, there's kind of like three scenes that happen in here Hmm. that I took notes about. Um, But outside of that, I didn't really have much up until reaching albedo kind of in the core at the end so if anybody else had anything else to say in between that feel free to do that now uh do you have anything tj or no aside from those uh aside from those three scenes that you mentioned uh, i mean most of proto Merkaba is just gameplay right yeah it's Um, a lot of battles it's a lot of yeah lots of fighting yeah um i did take a note here about um Let's see. I, I wrote that Junior asks Mary about reinforcements from Second Milsha, right? Uh, and she says that the spacebound units were destroyed by the Merkaba's blast, but um, they have some more on the way, but they're not going to make it in time because they, we got kind of a, a ticking clock element to this. It's like oh, right. the Merkaba is charging up for yeah. Uh, oh yeah a yeah, blast that's going to destroy second milsha they have yeah, to hurry basically right? like a death star situation yeah right. exactly in fact there's a lot of references here because yuli mizrahi even says you're you're our only hope or you're, yeah, you're our last that. hope something like <laughs> yeah. that yep, that's true and then Not the scene the, the scene we get to it later but the scene is you're escaping the merkava and as you're like flying out in the ship is just like it's so return of the jedi it, it does feel so, like that oh that's actually even true. at yeah. the end when the explosion yes. happens and then the ship whoo, yeah and and they're it, like it goes yeah, out and yeah. it's, the, it's the same profile it's shot the exact as the fireball chases based, it <laughs> i think they based the entire sequence there off yeah. of return of the jedi totally and they were like frame for sure. frame by frame 100 shot for shot remake um but yeah so they're gonna have to go in you know they're basically on their own um, Junior asks Guinan here to cover them until they get inside. Guinan then asks Junior to not let Albedo's provocations get to him. Um, uh, like last time, right? Yeah, yeah right. Uh, and then my next note here is that inside the Proto Macabre, the party approaches a console with data about uh, these Lemek Model 3 Reallians. Mm-hmm. So Shion says it's pretty old, the year TC. 4474 made by Tyrell Lamech Model 3. So, just for reference, I believe the time period that the game is taking place in is 4767. So, this That's is like correct, yeah. 200 years ago. Hmm. At uh, least, this data yeah. that they're accessing here, right? Mm-hmm. It's worth um, noting that that's at least the second Blade Runner reference as well, because earlier the dog ooh. was like the Exus Six, which is oh yeah, right, yeah, the Tyrell Corporation, yeah, Tyrell Corporation. Oh, the Tyrell Corporation. Okay, oh, how gotcha. About that? Yeah, yeah, go. yeah. Uh, what was cool. it? Um, the Nexus Six was what the dog model was called. It's Ziggy's, Ziggy's dog. son, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Ah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, uh, Junior says something about that model being manufactured until a year before the Milshan conflict. That's a long time for a model to be manufactured. 200 years? <laughs> 200, yeah. Because technology, I, I, yeah. unless your technology stagnated, right? I mean... Or maybe they uh, had updated it, but I don't know, that maybe it would be a different model number, right? Like, it's not the same model number right. every time you update it. I yeah. don't know. 
they just made like subsequent improvements, but sure, it's the yeah. same technical. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that's not really the important part. <laughs> uh, the important part is uh, that Ziggy says the production year and manufacturer all differ, but they're all older than 4752. And then Chaos says, it seems all these realians were transferred to Milsha, the Milsha maintenance facility due to some kind of abnormality. Hmm. Um, and this is where Xion says, but why is that data here? What is all of this data for? Um, and then uh, she asks Momo if Dr. Mizrahi, meaning Yuli Mizrahi, I believe, uh, ever told her anything. She says, no, mommy, never. And she says, I see. So... You combine this with a scene that comes a little later. I think it's Ziggy and Chaos are kind of talking back and forth about some soldiers that had been transferred there around the same time as these uh, Lamech Model 3 realians and how there, there's some, some weird coincidence. I think what Ziggy says, he calls it an odd coincidence. And then Xion says, those don't look like ordinary wounds for the soldiers that were transferred there. There are only fragments of the data left, but it looks like something more serious, like mental illness. And then Junior asks her, you can tell all that just from these fragments? And Xion says, yes, the list of medications here are all ones used to treat psychological disorders. And then Junior says, I see, I guess there's a reason you're a chief uh, engineer at Vector. Um, then Xion gets really quiet after he says that, like, oh, like, what? <laughs> and and then Junior asks her, like, oh, what did I say? Like, and she goes, oh, nothing, like she always does. <laughs> and Chaos seems to take note of that. Like, Chaos is watching her and watching the way she responds to things. So hmm. it's, it's really vague, but I feel like there's, I, they wouldn't be showing this scene unless there was, like, a reason for it. Yeah, but and it, I it's can... unfortunate that we are, at the very end of the game and they I seem know, to be setting something up. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how you're supposed to like keep all that in mind for two years later yeah. when the second part comes yeah. out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let, let me just add the, the, cause Xenosaga episode one, I, I think I mentioned this in another video, um, in another podcast that we did. The, the plot of episode one was supposed to en encapsulate what, what became episode two as well. Right. Like yeah. they were supposed to be all one game. So ideal in an ideal world, like there wouldn't be there wouldn't have been like a two-year wait it would have just been one gigantic oh, one game, long sure. game yeah right so it's they have but they had to cut it because they ran yeah. out of time yeah um the the just the general thinking for my part is that she hears that she knows things but it's not because she's the chief of vector that she knows that right it's like there's no, a memory course, yeah. that's that's why we mind. see chaos yeah, looking at her about it, right? So it's like she just got a flashback to a memory that mm -hmm. she probably doesn't actually even know where it came from. Yeah, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's because you're a CEO or you're a CEO, uh, you're the chief, <laughs> chief, you're the manager of Vector," and uh, she's just like, "Yeah, engineer. yeah, that whole thing." And it's like, yeah. "No, one, one there's something, point. some other way that she knows this." Go ahead, uh, uh, Keith. In one of the past scenes, uh, wasn't her mother kind of in a mental hospital, though? So perhaps... Yes, yeah, yes. I was going to bring that up, yeah. yeah. Ah, then there's some trauma there, too. That's a good point. So then she could have seen what her, her mother was. Well, yeah, because she's saying here that uh, the list mm. of medications were for treating psychological disorders, right? Well, that so, would be the memory, then, yeah. her previous memory. Not because she was Vector. Well, yeah, because... And then we saw that 
she was with her mother and from the window of the hospital room, she saw the Song of Nephilim docked. Yeah. In what I would yeah. assume is the Proto Macabre because well, it's know. designed to go into, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That's where it would be docked, right? I would think so. Yeah. So she, I, I feel like she's been here before and in being here before. That's uh, a lot. With all of this talking about uh, what went on here and these these soldiers treated for psychological disorders, she knows from an experiential point of view like what was going on, not just from extracting pieces of the data, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, anything else that anyone wants to point out about those? At that part, scenes? no. The, there is one more thing um, okay. concerning the name uh, Lemek Model 3. Oh, yes. Yeah, the right. word, um, yeah, to say it. Yeah, okay. So there's, in case, and you can add whatever. Um, but I there's, might. Yeah, <laughs> um, I figured. Um, so the name Lemek um, comes from the book of Genesis. There's two figures yeah. in Genesis named Lemek. Uh, one of them is the father of Noah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other That's one a huge is, setup. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other one is a descendant of Cain, yeah. um, who is known, uh, and the passage in Genesis where he appears is very, um, is pretty obscure, um, but he's known for, I believe he was the first person mentioned in the Bible to practice polygamy. He had multiple wives and he, um, killed, he killed someone in Was it Tubal Cain? It was, a uh, no, Tubal Cain, I think was his son. Um, ah, there you go. But yeah, he killed someone in self-defense. I don't think the person was ever named. And then there's a um, there's like a, a short little poem that he composes where he basically says like, if Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech shall be avenged 77-fold. Very obscure passage. I can just read the verses right here. So this is the yeah, biblical yeah, context Yeah, you, you read them because I don't have Yeah, them. so Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of one was Adad. The name of the other was Zila. And then they bore a bunch of kids. There's a bunch of names. Um and Zila bare Tubal Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. So, so Tubal Cain is the one who kind of creates like weapons and and metal working, right? So, start mm-hmm. started working with metal and created this like technology. You can think of Tubal Cain as the innovator of of technology just in general. Um, and the sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zila, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech. Hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man to my wounding and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avulged, avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. Yeah, well, you were saying, uh, TJ, that it was in self-defense. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like maybe he doesn't think that, but he was wounded in the fight, so I, I don't know well, how yeah, it wouldn't I mean, have that's- been. That's how, could have yeah, come that's from apocryphal. It, it could have come from I, some apocryphal right. document. Yeah, and like it says, like you know, I've slain a man to my wounding. I interpreted that as self-defense, but yeah, that's what it that sounds like that to sure. me. But yeah, but he seems to feel like it was really, really bad thing to do. Because <laughs> yeah. I mean, Cain it was I, just straight murder of his own brother, and so if he right, feels right. punished even worse than that, then yeah, what is that? I, yeah, that, that's the problem with this particular passage. It's it, it's so obscure, and like nobody, like yeah. even like biblical scholars, don't even know what to make of it. Right, so, right, right. Mm-hmm. That's why I had heard that he he would have killed somebody along the lines of something like Cain. But yeah, that doesn't yeah. that makes sense. But yeah, it's like kind of confusing. It's like what's what's going on here? What what do these verses mean? Right. So these are two different Lamechs. 
Yeah, there yeah, are yeah. two different Lamechs. So this one, you get a little more info on. The other one, it's just the father of Noah. But I think it's important noting the father of Noah, especially given the Xenogears like reference. Well, right. it's not really a. It's just the what would you call it? The lurking in the back of my mind Xenogears yeah. that I'm you know thinking of while playing this game. Yeah, uh, that all is about Noah and the flood and the giants and the the Nephilim and stuff. A different mm-hmm. take than this game, of course, but still uh, Lamech being the precursor to Noah in a sense, mm. right? Where it's like, right. okay. La- after Lamech comes Noah, and when Noah's there, that's when the flood oh, shows I up. See. Well, yeah, also, yeah. uh, Gears was called Project Noah. Project Noah. Yeah. Exactly, that's, right. yeah, yeah. So so we're hearing about Lamech, and these are the pre, these are the old model realians. They're the Lamech ones, mm. is that correct? Mm-hmm. I, I could see that, yeah. And then the next generation after Lamech is Noah, right? It's Noah. Anyways. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Okay, um, let's see here. So after that, uh, this is what we were talking about just before we started uh, the podcast with TJ here. Uh, Later you come into this hologram room that's projecting, according to the characters, all of observable space. (laughs) I know, it's like, wait a second. Laughing a a little bit at that, but... (laughs) Wait a second. um, uh, You know, I'm guessing that all of these stars you're seeing are not stars, they're galaxies, but even still, I mean, there'd be way more galaxies than that <clears throat> in the observable universe. Yeah, there, there should be quite Unless a they're more. like clusters of like yeah. many, many galaxies or something. But um, anyway, it's supposed to be projecting all of uh, observable space. Yeah. So it, This reminds me of that scene in Prometheus, by the way. Oh, yeah. As soon mm-hmm. as I saw it, I was like, man, yep, that totally. would be so cool. Totally. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that scene's pretty, <laughs> like, visually really cool. But, Very similar. Um, so there's this black area, this void, uh, that they point out, right? Um, which at first they assume to be a black hole of some kind mm. until chaos. Again, I think it's really interesting. It's always chaos who, when people are a little bit confused or they're not quite he's reaching like, the right conclusion, I think that, he and just, then, he just yeah. sort of like pokes in for a second and be like, well, <laughs> what about this? If you and think then, of it that way, it makes <laughs> sense. I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. So he, you know, he's, he's, he's guiding them. Um, yeah. So anyways, he says, uh, Lost Jerusalem was once our homeland in the distant past, but no one can go near it now. Actually, nobody knows its location no anymore. One knows where it is. Uh, it could be that pitch, uh, pitch black part there. And I kind of laughed at that oh, line initially because, like, could be. no one has any idea where Lost Jerusalem is. I bet it's right there in the only place <laughs> on this map. Yeah. But it kind of makes up for it. it in the next sentence by they they say yeah. how large a space that oh, actually is. Yeah, yeah, it's enormous. It's like three hundred million light years across, or something like that, is what they say. Not bad. So. Uh, just for reference, like the Milky Way galaxy is something like 100 or 150,000 light years yeah. across. <laughs> so we're talking ridiculous, huge void in space here. So yeah, finding lost Jerusalem in that space, it would make more sense to be like, we don't know where in yeah. that m- like mind-bending large space lost Jerusalem could be, but it's probably somewhere in there. Since- in that empty space, it's almost like... Uh- it's almost like something happened there that just deleted everything around yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, who knows? Who knows? Really, really interesting. Again, another setup that, uh, I don't know, um, probably, well, for sure, we're not going to get until at least episode <laughs> yeah. two, but I'm guessing probably even episode three so, for Lost Jerusalem stuff, right? I mean, that's that's 
probably approaching the end of the series. Am I right in yeah. guessing that, TJ? Yeah, yeah. That's not a spoiler. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just where. Well, I mean, we're getting to the end of the of the game right here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have something here to bring up, though. So there are access points with X, Y, and Z when you're standing in the midst of all of these stars. Yeah, they're all at zero. You remember when I misheard you and was like, oh my gosh, the Y data is the Y axis. axis, Because you said access the Y data, and I was like, the Y axis. Yeah, yeah. right. And then I was like, oh, I misheard you. And now we see a map of the universe with these coordinates, and everyone's like, well, we know some general things, but it's like we don't know exactly where. And I'm like, wait a second. The Y data probably is the Y axis. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, they have the X and the Y. They don't, or they have the X and the Z. They don't have the Y. So they can't pinpoint the location. They need the Y. And I'm thinking, like, well, golly, man, that was kind of an accidental hit, but I would assume that that's probably something. The Y axis. But here's the cool thing. Because the y-axis would be like, so z and x is like flat space, right? You have mm. like a flat plane, you have your z depth and your x, uh, the translation left and right. Like you can move around on a flat plane. The mm-hmm. y is the vertical, right? The y is what takes you up and down. Right. The y, if we're thinking of a plane, is what can take you to a different like dimension, a different yeah, plane, a different down. plane of existence or yeah, something, right? Sure. And so the axis mundi, as we've talked about, like ground zero, right? The, the y-axis and the zero point, um, that y you know, moves you up to heaven or down to hell. You know, it depends on... The upper and lower domain. Yeah, it moves you up or it moves yeah. you down. Anyways, there's, um, I don't know, there's something deeper there, but we'll have to wait till game seven. <laughs> then we'll figure <laughs> well, that out. I wish out. there were seven. There's only three. Uh, I think earlier you had mentioned sort of like uh, with the tree, you know, that it can take you up or it can take you down. Yggdrasil, yeah. The yes. idea of the, uh, the the great chain of being that you can evolve upwards or down. Yes, down. yes, exactly. If, if that supports your argument at all, I'll throw that out there. It absolutely <laughs> does. It absolutely does. <laughs> Sweet. Um, okay, so that kind of handles that scene. The The third scene that I took notes on here um, is they, they reach a spot where Momo says that she was born. She says, I was born here. And, yeah. and they kind of turn to her like, wait, what? You were born here? And so she says... Um, Mommy never told me what this facility actually was responsible for during the Milshan conflict, but I think I know. I, uh, when I was born, Daddy died. If that, ev- if that vision was true, yeah. I wasn't sure what she was referring to by saying that vision here. So maybe no, someone the, can clarify the, this. The, well, I assumed it was when her father jumped down and she caught him. In, and he disappeared inside of her. During the encephalon right? dive. So the idea is that when I was born, my father died, meaning that her father went, like put his mind inside of her, basically. Yeah. Well, uh, and he's gone, birth. but he lives on inside of her, right? Okay. And that I believe the dream would be the encephalon dive where she, he disappears into her arms because right. that seems to jive with this. Where right. it's like, yeah. as soon as I was born, he he you know, went into me and is gone. So by that vision, when she says, if that vision is true, she's referring to I believe what she so. saw during so, the encephalon dive. Uh, what do you uh, think? What do you think, TJ and yeah, Keith? I that right? remember uh, earlier, I think there was some doubt that was cast on whether her perceptions of her father were correct or not. So I think yeah. that adds credence to why she's doubting that vision and not sure if it's Okay, true. so it would probably, it's referencing okay. that vision then. That's Got good. it. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that vision was true, then what happened afterwards was trails off. It's just like mommy said, this is an abominable machine. If a mm. lot of people died because of my birth, does that mean I'm an abomination as well? Just like daddy. And uh, Xion or Junior might say like, Momo, trail off. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did it's that. It's so they funny. That I don't know. It's just an anime thing. Yeah. Um, 
And then Shion says, no, no parent could ever say that. Uh, even though you're a Realian, you're still their child, right? No parent would ever think of their own child as an abomination. Surely uh, there can't be any. Now, I want to point this out just because it was brought up in a comment in our last video that yeah. said it's in the database. So therefore, I feel it's not a spoiler to say. As to the URTVs? Or? Well, as to uh, Momo and her relationship to her parents... Ah, uh, okay. Oh, right, um, right, right, yeah. Should I say this now, TJ, or should I wait until the next um, game? Is is there, like, a really good scene that reveals this? Um, no, I mean, there's a scene that reveals it, but it's not like it's building, to, you know, it just sort of happens. So I, I don't think I don't think there's a, any issue with bringing it up now. Okay. I, I thought it was weird that they would relegate this to the database in game one instead of having some sort of scene where they talk about it no, or I, show a I think flashback. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So you, you know that, that mm. uh, Sakura was the daughter yes. of Yoki Misaki, Because right? this was great. I love mm -hmm. reading the comments because yeah. when I finish the game, I feel like I can read the comments. Yeah. I you still got to be careful, people, because <laughs> there's a few more games to come. Um, yeah. But everyone's like, wow, Kaysen's musing on Sakura and Kirschwasser were great, but totally wrong. <laughs> like, oh, I okay, saw that too, well, yeah. I, I got you. You know, that's fine. Um. I, I would suggest there's still something deeper about the connection to the drunken cherry versus the beautiful, you know, cherry. Um, but, yeah, apparently Sakura was the name of Mizrahi's daughter. Right. right. Mm -hmm. That died. Who died and, and looks they, like they're, Momo. They're trying to and build a Momo robot body like to put her consciousness into to, like, yeah. bring her back to life, right? So she's a different realian in a different way than the other Realians are. She's not yeah. exactly like everybody else. She was built specifically to be like the vessel yes. of Sakura's consciousness. And she looks different from everyone else because she looks more like Sakura and yeah. all of that stuff. Now, I would still suggest to you all that the names mean something. But yeah, uh, yeah it, it would appear that she is named Sakura because of the yeah, Mizrahi's daughter. Because it's Mizrahi's daughter. And she's that's why she's the special one among them it's yeah. like he developed a technology which was a useful technology therefore they manufactured them to be used on federation ships and to fight the gnosis and whatnot but this one model the prototype the original was meant to be sort of the seat or or, or whatever of uh, the consciousness of sakura so yeah. that's why she's the she's more so the daughter of Miss Rahi than the other Realians, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, Just a, a quick comment on that. Okay, well, um, go for it. Because I didn't play through the game recently. I played it like years ago. So I just watched oh. the story scenes. Okay. So there might have been a scene because I have the impression that that was the case and I didn't read the database. So I think there mm. might have been a scene in there mm. that at least gave me the impression of what you just said. Interesting. Okay. Um, do, you, do you think it was in a uh, game two or three scenario, or do you think for sure it was no, game one? It was game one. It was a scene where you see uh, Yokima's Rahi like doing something in a lab or something, and he's oh, saying something about Sakura. Yeah, the memory of the Kirschwasser. Yeah, he says, you can be my Sakura. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, and she's in like she's in a, like a tube kind of yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Is that the scene yeah. you're referring to? I remember yeah. that. I just didn't catch any yeah. daughter vibes. <laughs> well, he doesn't, he doesn't say explicitly like like sakura like, to sakura as his daughter he just Gun. calls her sakura or, or maybe um, i've just right. seen this daughter child pinocchio story so many times yeah right just obviously. draw the conclusion yeah. yes yes yeah. yes yeah i think that that's i mean pretty 
it's it's a pretty logical yeah. conclusion to draw right. from that scene. But but I also yeah. I also think there's something to Shion when she says no parent could ever see their kid as an abomination. Um, right. She has designed and is the primary. Although I don't know to what Creator. extent Kevin yeah, was super true. involved, uh, but she seems in at the moment to be the primary creator of Cosmos, uh, one who, especially like General Cherenkov, General, General, Commander Cherenkov, um, yeah. that uh, a lot of people around her are saying this thing is an abomination. And she's saying, I made it, and I don't care what you all think, that you will never convince me that the thing I made mm, is an abomination. Yeah. She's speaking, there you go. it's yeah. funny because she's speaking as a mother almost, but it's like, well, she's not a mother. Yeah. But she did make something that, that is possibly the destroyer of worlds. An, an abominable machine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that she sees the good in it and and will defend it to, to the death. She will mm. like never accept that Cosmos is, can be anything... Um, but a potential good source for the world. What's even crazier about that is that she was forced to blow Cosmos' oh head gosh. off oh, yeah. because okay. of how monstrous it was. No, I forgot <laughs> yeah. about that scene when I said <laughs> right. that because that would be at least a temporary her accepting that what yeah. I've created is an abomination. Right. She won't do that to the current version of Cosmos, <laughs> but you're right. Apparently she did think that yeah. in the previous one and she's probably hated herself ever since. Well, I just think it's interesting that she... I mean, that, that's kind of a motherly instinct. I think that yeah. supports your hypothesis about that being her motivation for saying this because no matter how bad something that your child has done, you still love them. You still yes, see yeah. the good parts of them, right? It's and I, I can see yeah. that as being like, a uh, even though she slaughtered all those people, even though I was forced to like coat, yeah. <laughs> freaking blow her face off um it's like she'll never forgive she's herself still not an abomination to me the potential for good yeah. also it could be that maybe maybe the earlier cosmos was more like like kevin's making and then this current version is more that's her, true her making yeah, and that's so true i see that cosmos, too the current cosmos i believe was developed after kevin died because kevin right. died i think so when the when the kevin died when the archetype cosmos went crazy so right. yes and and they, and hand hand stabbed him in yeah. the in the like <laughs> yeah. chest that yeah. was yeah. kind of crazy so there, there's probably still some of kevin's original work in the current cosmos but it's a lot yes. more of Xion as well it's more her than him yeah 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 well i mean That's that my that leads to why she was surprised uh back when uh you fight Cherenkov's gnosis right like she was all surprised about some oh. of the things that Cosmos knew and the yeah. weapons that she had installed that yeah. she didn't put there and she's yeah. like wait a minute Kevin is this what you right what right. you wanted right and then right. I think Alan at one point says like the only person who knows like a hundred percent about Cosmos was Kevin and he's dead um, right right that's right he yeah. did say that so yeah so there's definitely yeah. some good some stuff. hidden Kevin influence here that she's not aware of but yeah, I think that she would take a little more ownership of this current sort of uh, model okay. of Cosmos, I guess you'd call mm -hmm. it. Okay, so now the party makes it into the core. Is this where you fight the, the huge Gnosis? Yeah, but you yeah. fight Albedo first. Oh, um, right. So there's there's kind of a really good scene here. I have here. no notes with that. Some good dialogue between Albedo and Rubido um, that suggests some some interesting things uh, that, mm. that might be interesting to speculate on for a minute, but I'm, I'm sure, again, that this is all going to be revealed later. Yeah. So, um, Albedo, you know, says, you're late, you know. You're uh, late. Uh, kind of typical villain dialogue stuff. He jumps down to where they're at, 
Um, and then Albedo says, well then, what shall we do now? Shall we continue where we left off? And then he starts this kind of energy, this kind of purple energy. We've seen it mm. a lot in the yeah. game up to this point. He, he, he gives a name to whatever this power is, though. He calls it the power of will. Oh, yes, um, yes, yes. The, yeah, the Der Wilsermacht. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. It's his, he just generates his own power, you know? Right. And he says that uh, this is not something unique to him. It's everybody has this power, yes. right? Yeah. Um, and that what they're seeing is just their perception of what that power is. Right? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. interesting way of putting it. That yeah, this that is cool. what you're seeing is just your perception of my so Will, right. in that way, you're, they're kind of building off of like the theory, the idea of uh, projection, right? And projection, by the way. So we're playing uh, Silent Hill 2 next week. Right. Everybody tune in for that. Um, oh, boy. Projection <laughs> is a big thing that human, the human psyche will do, yeah. right? And it's right. like if you can't make sense of something, your mind will find a way to to put something on there and humans do this it's partly how we see is through projection not as much just taking in info but actually projecting ideas onto things um especially your peripheral vision right there's just a lot of things around that's like if you're in a forest and you're in a bunch of trees your mind is just projecting the general idea of tree onto everything until you pick one out and look at it closely. It's oh, just, right. it's just category tree and you're projecting category. And then at some point you'll be like, Oh, that wasn't a tree. That was a telephone pole. Or it was something else. Right. Then your mind kind of recalibrates and all that, but you're constantly projecting. And often what you can do is project your own shadow onto other people. Yeah. Right. Mm. And, um, when he talks about, Oh, you're seeing what you think my power ought to look like or whatever. Uh, it would look different for everybody else, but they have their own idea of what the power is. And so they're projecting it onto whatever they're seeing. And that's what creates right. kind of the aura. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good way of putting it. Um, he, he says something else here and I, I wanted to see if anyone has thoughts on this cause I wasn't really <laughs> sure what I thought of it. So he talks about that, right? What you're witnessing is simply your perception of it. And then he says, and you know what? Perception and pain are but one and the same. So go ahead, feel my pain for yourself. Now, this takes me back to several lines throughout the game about pain and pain being like some sort of uh, indication of uh, wholeness or completeness or reality or something like that. Uh, Cosmo said something about this earlier before she destroyed all those gnosis. And then yeah. Albedo said something oh, about this. Oh, if last I scene. suffer, am I real? Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. So I, I wasn't sure yeah. like what to draw huh. from this mm. line relating to what we've seen so far about pain, but maybe I, I want to see if anyone else had any thoughts on that. So the line is perception and pain are but one and the same. So go ahead, feel my pain for yourself. It sounds so. like Keith has a, yeah, a, a yeah. Nietzsche reference go for to it, tell uh, us Keith. about. I think this combines kind of like two themes that kind of run throughout the game that albedo is all over. One of them is this idea of sort of uh, your individual consciousness versus the universal consciousness and, you know, right. what separates you and all that kind of stuff. So there's that component. And then there's also the Nietzsche, like, you know, you need pain to grow and all that stuff. And and yeah. uh, I believe uh, albedo through some of the other things he says later, he kind of makes it clear that, you know, when he's having... Uh, Moguli has also said things similar to this too, where like, you know, humanity as it is now is like going backwards and they're like a, a shallow husk or, you know, they should go yes, become yeah, yeah. fault, you know, and, and to take it back to the alchemical references, it's almost like you're going backwards mm. on the alchemical scale, right? Like, yes, right. Yes, we yes. Need, like we need pain to go forward to the next level. And because of that universal consciousness stuff, like hit me and feel my pain. 
and together we'll mm. grow to the next level. Oh, mm. I can see. Yeah, yeah. that's actually mm. okay. That makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, you know, you know what I, I love, particularly because okay, he's go. he's albedo, right? He's the the white phase. He's the one who's overcome the dark, the, pain. the black. Yeah. yeah. Well, the pain, which is the black phase, which is the the burning, the the yeah, cleansing, the refining, phase, yeah, the refining phase, which is where a lot of the pain is at. So that makes a lot of sense. You were going to say something there, TJ? No, I was going to. I was just going to agree with uh, with what he said. Oh, okay, yeah. How yeah. could yeah. you not? There's, <laughs> yeah. there's one. There's one idea here. Uh, this is so funny because you can look at what Albedo's doing. He's cutting his own head off. He cuts his own arm off. Like he's crazy. Yeah, a lot of he pain. is crazy. And but and it, the assumption is, oh, he must not feel the pain. No, <laughs> that he, is wrong. He welcomes the he pain. He loves yeah. the pain, yeah. and it's almost like a state of mind. And I've thought of this a lot in the past, where it's like. Like what is pain? You know, like pain is is it's a sensory feeling, right? But you're you're constantly feeling things. At what point does like feeling the edge of a knife turn into pain? It's like, well, when it breaks things or whatever. But it's like, does it have to though? Does it have to be mm. painful? Does that experience have to be painful? Now, uh, what would you what were the masochistic people <laughs> would argue something along the lines of, no, you can get used to it and you can actually eventually train your mind to enjoy the pain. Right. And that is beyond my um, understanding. <laughs> I'm not, I don't think I will ever be there. At that point. Um, although there might actually be some utility there, but albedo is for sure there. Instead mm. of pain being a thing he shrinks away from and he's, oh, I'm afraid to die. Oh, I'm afraid to be hurt. I'm afraid of all this uh, fear, 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 right? He's the Nietzschean Ubermensch, right? He's overcome all of that. He, yeah. he incorporates the pain. He doesn't worry about the fear of death. He's going to go be the best version well, best, the most powerful version of himself that he can be. And that's where he says, all of you can do this. You can all do this. I'm yeah, not right. special. And right? I can't remember well, if it's a fight in this game or if it's in one of the later games, but he's, it's, there's a boss fight where you're fighting him and like cutting his arms off and he's like, oh yes, I love it. See? Like, yeah. Oh stuff. man. That's the end of a, yeah, it's the end of a disc one of episode two. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's wow. crazy. That's awesome. So that actually kind of reminds me of Metal Gear Solid, a game we just played. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And how uh, when you're fighting Mantis, is it Psycho Mantis? I think it's Psycho Mantis. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, this pain, the pain oh. helps him to remember oh, yeah. his past. Yes. Right? Oh, yes, yeah. I remember yeah. now. The pain, the pain. Oh, the, the Cyborg Ninja fight. That's it. Not cyborg Psycho Mantis. Yeah, yeah. Not, it's, you're right. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it's cyborg. Yeah. That's what I meant. Or, yeah. Like yeah. Uh, there, but you, you see this theme, though, you know? And it's almost like, are you alive if you don't feel pain? Like, do, does existence yeah. even mean anything uh, if you don't feel pain? And that's, of course, Nietzsche's right. argument. But, yeah, that's great. Well, you know, I mean, we've talked about this in some of our previous podcasts, too. But it's like uh, life without pain. I guess we'll, we'll call it pain in this um, yeah. context. But or just we, challenge, we talked adversity. About conflict. Yeah, conflict. Or a yeah. challenge of some kind. Yeah. Uh, is kind of meaningless. It is kind of worthless. It it's is hard to see the there's meaning. Yeah. No growth. There's no progression. Where are you moving towards? What is the point without something that is instigating that growth? Right. And so right. Yeah. Uh, pain is a big part of that. It's, it's painful in whatever context you want to use that, whether it's physical pain, whether it's emotional pain, whether it's yeah. just uh, mental stress. Whatever the challenge induces, it's not pleasant to experience that, but it, it's, it's what causes you to move forward or do something. And the more you shrink mm -hmm. away from that out of fear, right, it's overcoming the fear. And that's what all of our characters in this, you know, in this story, they're all afraid of facing yeah. pain of whatever kind, whether it's a traumatic past, whether it's whatever it is. They are afraid of something. And, and that's what I think 
um, Fibronia and uh, Nephilim and I guess Chaos are trying to prepare them to be ready to face his pain. And I think that's probably what Albedo is calling to here as yes. well, right? I, I like that you said that, Keith, that it's almost like Albedo is inviting them, not necessarily um, uh, opposing them, but inviting them to that next stage of the alchemical process, it just in his own kind of twisted way versus what Nephilim seemed to be doing, which was more like a, a genuine, like, we need you, <laughs> right, uh, yeah. to, to face this. Uh, another reason that I think kind of seals the deal, deal there is that, you know, he actively, like, doesn't fulfill his so-called plans and, like, waits. It's like, you know, I'll wait for you to come and hurt me. Yeah, uh, could, yeah. could go off the planet, but mm. let's do this instead. You know, it's clear that yeah. this is his priority. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's well, and crazy. then, of course, um, and this will kind of lead into the next part of the, the scene here, but Rubido is his other half, right? Mm -hmm. So, obviously... Yeah, that means whatever yeah. process albedo's been through he seems i think maybe even primarily concerned with with bringing rubido with him there yeah yeah even if it's, it's not necessarily seems... all the party but i think it is but particularly rubido i think yeah that makes sense so mm -hmm. let's read some of the well, uh, real quick though i have to cuz you brought up feb oh yeah and i did read the comments in the last episode i completely forgot this when Virgil dies. Mm -hmm. He sees a flash of a person. Oh yeah! In the very beginning, in episode two, I, I totally we forgot this. I had too. completely yeah. forgotten. We learned. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I've never heard of it's, a Feb before. Like, I, I just completely spaced it. But it's, yes, it's a apparently, blink and you miss it kind of. Yes. Moment. Well, there's a lot of that in this game. I That's think. true. Yeah. But Virgil sees an angel when he dies. Yes. The person he sees is Feb, and he says the name Feb. And then yep. he passes away. And totally then now he comes that. back as this resurrected god that yep. can just, like, <laughs> kill and do whatever he wants. Like, he's got this incredible power. Yeah. And then even still, I, I think, is it, who was it? Um, I think Albedo's talking to him, and he's saying things like, oh, I'm not used to this new body yet. But he's like, no one can touch him, you know? He's, like, so far beyond wherever uh, Shion is at that right. like it just doesn't it's not even relevant they're not even on the same plane they need a y data so they can access the next <laughs> plane right which might be death the death is the access movie anyways yeah. um so anyways i just wanted to bring that up just because we forgot to mention it last time uh yeah. virgil sees feb and that's um you know and now we see virgil now he is quite not dead and feb would have something to do with that because yeah. she was present when he when he was well killed. that that certainly brings up some questions about uh, Febronia herself and what exactly. her are, right? Because it, this is so crazy. We've got Nephilim and Febronia who are like, hey, come along, uh, face your fears, you know, uh, accept the pain and, and become greater. That's exactly what Albedo is telling us to do too. And yes. here's Virgil too, kind of on Albedo's side. And it's like, hey, the these, villains these are people saying the same seem, thing. yeah, they seem yeah. opposed. It's almost like the Garden of Eden story. You've got like, you've got the mm. snake that's like, you know, take the fruit. And and then looking back on it, it's like, well, but, but uh, you know, Lucifer means light bringer, right? So the yeah. knowledge, and this is what the Gnostics would argue, that yeah, the Gnostics right. were like, wait, the snake was the good guy. <laughs> <laughs> like the snake gave everyone the knowledge so yeah, that they could, the you know, like progress and, and become like gods or something. And it's like, oh, and the gods punished them like Prometheus, you know, where it's like, here, humans have some fire. And then Zeus is like, no, and then pr punishes Prometheus. It's like, you can you can see Lucifer or at least the snake in the garden to the extent that they're similar in a similar light. And the, this game's doing a similar thing where it's like, oh man, it just messes with you. It's like, hey, they seem so similar. I'm sure at some point we're going to find a point where they differ. Yeah, uh, maybe, 
Or, yeah. or we're going to find out that who we thought were good and bad are, are not exactly what they, we thought they were. Well, it was the same thing with uh, your feeling about chaos last time, right? About yes. whether this, this, I mean, it, to me. Is he part of, like, I, yeah, I have a yeah, lot of questions and I'm skeptical like, of everybody. I'm very suspicious. Right. Wow. But like now, like Fabronia is a part of this too. It's like, well, yeah. Fabronia, yeah. it seems more suspicious to me than even chaos does. Because Fabronia is helping yeah. our adversaries. Yes. Don't know what to make of that. It's that maybe they're trying to help everybody. Everybody, everybody. to <laughs> can we all, all just get humanity along? needs to uh, you know ascend to the higher plane. Yeah, okay, so let's get into some of this dialogue with uh, Junior okay. and Albedo here. So uh, Junior says, "Answer me, why are you doing this? There's absolutely nothing you can hope to gain out of this." And Albedo says, "Ah, contraire, I am doing this for your sake, Rubido." So that kind of goes back to what I was saying, right? He he wants to bring Rubido to yeah. his higher level of understanding. So Junior says, for my sake. And Albedo says, have you forgotten, Rubido, that fateful day 14 years ago? Have you forgotten what you did to us? So then we get a camera view here. We see Junior's right eye where an image of the past is kind of shown in it. It's kind of a cool shot. Um, Albedo says, it's all because of you, because you closed yourself off from us. Our mental link was broken. And one after another, we succumbed to the power of the song. Left behind in that horror, did we have any choice but to submit to it? Remember what happened and repent of your sins. So, it seems to me, uh, maybe this is complete speculation, but Rubido had some kind of mental link with the other URTVs. I, I would guess similarly to what yeah. he does with Guinan, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. And it, whatever happened in this Milchan conflict, he seemed to have broken the link and because he mm -hmm. did that whatever happened to the urtvs slash albedo happened and this is what caused them to succumb to the song and mm, uh, unto madness right right so it seems like that's what albedo is um accusing him of and and then of course hmm. junior then admits to it right so he he says something like um all right damn it i couldn't control my fear so now this goes back to what we're just talking about. And this so Nephilim's here to help him. Yeah. Shrinking from the pain being what keeps you from the the alchemical progression into the next phase, right? Right. So he couldn't he, he couldn't control his fear. So Albedo's laughing maniacally, so you finally admit it, you coward. Um, <clears throat> and then Albedo says, Yes, and therefore you must atone for your sins, atone with your life. But remember Death in this game is almost like an ascension. Mm -hmm. It was for Virgil. It yeah. seems, yeah. That, that, so you must atone for it with your life. Yeah. I am the executioner for all those who were destroyed. Although I'm actually grateful to you, Rubido. Thanks to you, I was able to find the way. The way to a whole new world. So, interesting stuff. I, I'm, I'm really excited to see where this storyline in particular is going in, in the future games here. Like I, I think of there's kind of been, been two parts where like the game really grabbed me with a concept. First it was DME addiction. I feel like it's yeah. unfortunate we haven't delved more into that yet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Cause I really want to learn more about like who we're eating realians <laughs> yeah, dude, and why, and why? <laughs> exactly why. Um, but this, whole thing with the URTVs and Junior and Guinan and Albedo and whatever happened there is the second thing where it's like, okay, I'm in it for the long haul to figure this out. <laughs> I really <laughs> want to learn more about this. Yeah. So, um, 
Let's see. Uh, anybody have any notes or anything you want to say before we move on? No, no. From this, that was a good conversation, though. Nope. Okay. Okay. So it has been a good conversation. conversation. <laughs> that movie's awesome. We got to put that on movie. our uh, Patreon voting. We got it. Thing. We got it. Um, okay. So, what do you mean a whole new world? Says Junior. Albedo says that's all I seek. It's quite simple, don't you think? And Junior says, "What the hell are you talking about?" Same question I was kind of thinking at the time. Um, <laughs> he jumps up kind of the top of the reactor and he was laughing and he says, at first I wasn't sure if I should believe, Albedo is saying, but I experienced something a moment ago that confirmed it. And this ought to verify yeah. that experience for me. Entertain me, if you will. So that's when the reactor opens up and a monster comes out. This is yes. a Gnosis, which has been merged with the reactor's core. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and this is the final boss of the game. It is, um, and it's really cool. The music, finally. Yeah, finally, we, we finally get a different get boss. Music, yeah. We got some a new different, music. Uh, it was music. really good, too. I loved <laughs> yeah, the song. Yeah. And it could just be that I was so ground down from the previous from battle the music. Original, yeah. it's, but it's like, good. oh, it was crazy. Yeah. Mitsuda is a lot better at doing boss music than he is with uh, just normal battles. I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, sure, I sure. agree with that. Mitsuda's got a very mysterious yeah. sound to, yeah. to the, you know, it's, it's less the, the towns and people, and it's more just like the mystery and, you know, what's coming next with Mitsuda. Yeah. He, he does really good with those sort of, um, what would you call them? Yeah, there's like a mysterious note to it, but also yeah. just sort yeah. of a, a melancholic Oh, a little bit. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah. Those tracks of his are always really good. I find something very trance-like about a lot of his music, too. Like one who bears fangs at God in Xenogears yeah. or whatever. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. Because the, the repetition, but but the stacked, you know, arpeggios right. and stuff. It's you just, just like adding layers to it. And really kind of cool. goes backwards from there, yeah. right? <laughs> That's kind of his style. But. And it sounds simple, but it's like, no, the way he does it is yeah. is, is genius. Okay, so they have to destroy this Gnosis in order to stop the Proto-Macabre. He says, yeah. you have maybe five minutes at best. I wonder how far you'll get uh, in your current condition. He yeah. has said a couple of times, he's mentioned that Rubido used to be more powerful than he is now or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like he's testing him Because even he bit. says, ah, oh, there you go. You're showing me some power, but it's still only a fraction of what you right. used to be able to do. So um, anyways, you fight this Gnosis. And then they're all sort of running out because it's going to explode. The whole place is going to go down. Yeah. And they got to get Classic. out in time, right? Now. Not only that, so the Proto Merkaba has been transported right next to, is it Second Milsha? And it's going it to crash. Yeah. It's going to crash directly into the planet. Right. It's like, hey, fine, we're not going to shoot it. We're just going to hit it. And this thing's like the size of 12 comets or something. So it's like, yeah. it will destroy the whole planet. It's just yeah. too big. Right. And so they decide that they need to dismantle. And apparently there's a button that does this. Yeah. But, there's one. Um, panel yeah. in the whole station that like you know you press it and then that detaches the entire into station. like 30,000 <laughs> separate yeah. units right? it's like <laughs> we're we're maybe sometimes you got to clean the joints in between yeah. oh actually that's a good <laughs> yeah. point that's a good first so there could be some um utility sure. in, in yeah. allowing separation that minute of a separate because yeah. right. I was like if it's like seven or eight pieces I get it but 30,000 pieces <laughs> yeah. it's a little too many or maybe it was 3,000, I can't remember. It, was, it just seemed a little too much. Um, but that's a good point. So, and the size of this thing is just so big. Yeah. But yeah, mm -hmm. push the button, everything disperses. 99% of those will just burn up in the atmosphere now, uh, except yeah. for maybe just a little bit will we'll hit like a meteor. Yeah. Uh, and then they're running out of the whole thing. And uh, Cosmos says, I, and I've noticed this theme, and it was so powerful here. Now, I didn't know what was going to happen. 
but I was fully prepared for Cosmos to go down with the Merkaba. Right. Um, because this was a very Christ-like moment, right? This the was self-sacrifice, yeah. and yeah. I will go down so that you all can live, but you all bear my message forth, and then whatever. And then she'll come back later. I didn't think she would yeah. be gone forever, I did, but I did think that she would go down and have kind of a resurrection moment. Um, also, we skipped over, we, we too easily skipped over that scene in the, the Encephalon dive where Cosmos was crucified, yeah. mostly because right. I didn't know yes. what to make of it, and I still don't know what to make of it. But yeah. clearly, I mean, you got Albedo, or Root, Rubito has the cross on himself and then Shion has the the icon that looks like a cross that's the Zohar and then obviously uh, Cosmos is being crucified and like there's all sorts of Christian references all over the place mm-hmm. but it's for multiple people all at once um, and in this moment Cosmos seems to me to be you know exemplifying the, the final Christian m- moment right uh, but of course, she just kind of makes it out, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. I'm glad that she's around, but I kind of it would have been more powerful if she, she came had. back later on. Well, particularly instead of right then and there, theme we've got of passing through a death in order to like, exactly. kind of come to a, I don't know, like a purer form or something like that. Yeah, but see, I do kind of wonder. I do kind of wonder, um, like, to what extent the cosmos being a machine is factoring into all this. Like, can Mm -hmm. Cosmos possibly die? Like, is Cosmos just at that level where it's like, you can't kill Cosmos? Like, she's just like... (laughs) Well, let's pass it on to Keith here. I think he's got something to say about this, so... Yeah, there's one line around this time that might make this make a little bit more sense and tie it to the crucifixion. Um, Oh, please. Yeah, so I think when she's walking out or something like that, she says, like, relinquish your pain unto me, to Shion. Yes. There yes. you go. She, exactly. Was, That's the yeah. bring me your burden. I will make yeah. your yoke easy and your burden light. I was just going to say it's worth noting to contrast that with what Albedo is doing. You know, like, I want you to feel uh, my pain versus you give me your pain. So, and that's Christ. Yes. Yes, that's very important. I want to bring something else up with that because uh, – like when Cosmos in this scene, it's another instance where Cosmos goes into like blue eyes, clo- blue eyed Cosmos mode. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, right. It's, Very it's, the rare. Sec- it's the second time in the game that this has happened, and it's and, a self-sacrificial moment and, again. And it's both both times. Oh, Cosmos that's says good. something about pain. The first time she says, "Will feeling pain make me complete?" This time she says, "Relinquish your pain onto me." Yeah. Wow, that's good you point. know that's huge. That's cool. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Okay, but. Anyways, she just doesn't die, and that's fine. She doesn't die; it's fine. Well, I'm cool with it. We'll have more chances, I'm sure. But <laughs> I there's know. there's one note I skipped over here before uh, leaving the final boss. So the name of the final boss. I was going to bring that up too. Yeah, I completely oh, thank forgot. You. Is Sophia Pistis? Oh, Pistis. Faith. Faith. Yeah. Pistis oh, means faith. Sorry, no. No, in, in it was game, a mistranslation. In the game, it's yeah. called Sophie, Sophie Pathos. Pathos. But that's it's, what it's, they call oh, it in the like game. like um yeah. sympathy yeah. pathos okay and, well in the it's it's a reference to it's a gnostic scripture called the sophia yes. Pistis, I, which yeah. i have uh, read right. by the way i have not so i'm Dude. glad that you have <laughs> it's freaking crazy <laughs> yeah. and very it's, cool it's, it's really very cool. long the only reason why it i is. have it is because it's really long <laughs> it is long yeah. it's one of the most popular of the gnostic works yeah. though and it was found in ed Hamadi. many many versions of it were found yeah. um and it it's freaking beautiful, but it would be um, the the faith faith and wisdom, something like that. The mm-hmm. Pistis Sophia is the faith yeah. and wisdom. Yeah, uh, and it's got a lot of cool, crazy stuff in apparently, it. Apparently, um, it reveals the complex structures and hierarchies of heaven that are yes. familiar okay. in Gnostic teachings. In That's Gnostics, kind of what yeah, it's yeah. what it's about. So it translates to the faith of Sophia. Of course, okay. we talked a lot about 
Sophia and our Xenogears podcast. We don't have time to get into Sophia today. No. Go watch our Xenogears podcast. Yeah, especially <laughs> as it relates to the anima. And <laughs> yeah, the anima. right. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll get a chance at some point in a future Xenosaga game to talk about it, but yeah. not today. Okay. Not today. So... They all take off. They get into the Elsa. I got this line um, here. Everything will be all right. See with your heart. See with your heart. And I can't remember exactly yeah. who said that. Yeah, that I Cosmos was going to ask who said, who said that? that. I believe that would be Cosmos telepathic because Shion gets some like I... telepathic and that's how she knows. No, hey, was, that, here, was, that, here. was that yeah. Nephilim or was that Cosmos? Oh, it could have been Nephilim. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say it's Nephilim okay. because it, now, guys, I, I can't see Cosmos saying something that comforting. <laughs> you're right. Sure. You're right. But here's the oh, thing. Hold on. You're, mu- you're muted, Keith. You're muted. I was going to say, yeah, Nephilim tells Xion how to see Cosmos in that case. Okay, and see okay. with your heart. Oh, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, okay, um, I have, throughout this entire game, I have equated Nephilim and Cosmos. They are the same person in my mind. <laughs> I don't know why I've been doing this, but I have ever since the very beginning. Um, anyways. Yeah, so it was Nephilim uh, yes. who was kind of calling out to her, telling her how to see, right? Because um, that's when she, that's when, because uh, they're, they're taking off. They don't know where Cosmos they're, is going to be. They're yeah. leaving and she's trying to tell them, don't leave. Cosmos isn't back yet. And, and they're, they're like, like, shut the up. The place is crumbling around <laughs> yeah. us like we're leaving. Yeah. And if that's they don't where, leave, yeah, they'll get destroyed when the Mercado yeah. deconstructs itself. Yeah. Right. So she, when Nephilim speaks to, um, to Shion, she knows where to go. Yeah. She, she yes. tells Tony, pull she over right there. Yeah. And that's where Cosmos jumps out. And they're able to pull her in. That's a um, synchronicity, as well, Jung would she, say. She doesn't yeah. get pulled in, though. Would you remember what she oh, does? Oh, she can't. She almost lets go because freaking yeah. Cosmos weighs like a billion pounds. Yeah, <laughs> she yeah. like oh, she and then, and then Ziggy has in. to come. That's she, right. Yeah, and then the Elsa is gonna like it's crashing into Second Milsha's orbit, and it's gonna burn up in the atmosphere. And then Cosmos does her crazy thing where she sprouts gigantic angel wings. Yes, you're right. Yeah. shields yes. the Elsa from being... Oh, that's right. We, we didn't get the there atmosphere. yet. Yeah, from being yeah. burned up in the atmosphere. And it's like, where did yeah. this come from, Cosmos? <laughs> well, because Shion's like, oh, um, you're going to die. Once again, the self-sacrifice. And yeah. I'm like, okay, this yeah. is it. Cosmos is really going to die this time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really, really, really going to die. Yeah. And Cosmos jumps out and I'm like, it's a, it's a there's a farewell. It's a, this is it. There, nothing can survive this journey. And Cosmos shows up. And of course she has some trick up her sleeve that nobody yeah. saw coming yeah. and she does not die. Yeah. Just make her die and then come back. It's fine. She's a robot. <laughs> we'll get it. Like, but you need that resurrection thing. The you classic. need it to solidify. The yeah. classic arm grab moment did make me laugh, though, to, to the point yeah. where Cosmos probably yes. weighs like 18 tons. So, like, yeah, you know, right. Ripped right off. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> and um, well, who was it? Who helps her? Was that um, Ziggy? It was Ziggy. Ziggy. Yeah. It was Ziggy. Ziggy I was going to say, Xion's not doing this. Yeah, yeah, he's the only one that could possibly exactly. have a chance of pulling Cosmos yeah, back. That yeah, was wanted, that was good. That was beautiful. One minor point that was like a good character consistency moment when, oh, please do. Uh, when Cosmos is saying, like, it's fine. Just trust me. I can make it in a minute or whatever. Then she crunches some numbers and Ziggy is like, got it. Because remember he says he cares yeah. about numbers and assessing battles. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. Because yeah. he's quantitative and yeah, objective. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he, he's huh. the first one to sort of be that's like, good. yep, yep. Your, your, your math checks out. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not sure how I felt about it. I guess I'll, I'll get your guys' opinions on this. Having two fake out sacrificial scenes just back let, to back let as, die, as the ending of the game I, I, I guess just yeah. in general I, I felt a little I, I felt like the ending was of the game was a little flat and of course having 
you know, studied or, or researched the development history of the game, I, I get why. A as you said earlier, TJ, like the game was supposed to be much longer than yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, this was not supposed to be the ending. This was the, right. uh, this was so, the ending they had to make or rather than the ending they wanted to make. Right. Fair enough. So, yeah, fair like, enough. this isn't where it's supposed to end. It was where they're kind of forced to end it. So there's that aspect of it. But there's also something about, even if it's just a scene that's not the ending of the game, like two times in a row faking us out that she's going to self-sacrifice, but she's actually fine. In like fine. 10 minutes. Yeah. I'm just not mm. sure. I feel like, you know, it, it's kind of the um, the principle of, th of thirds that uh, we've talked about in the past. Like uh, yes. right, right, if, right. if you repeat something too many times, it loses its impact a little more each it time It either you do becomes it. not funny if it was supposed to be funny or it becomes funny if it was not supposed to be funny. Right. <laughs> Well, and then also, this is also like the yeah. classic principle of like the, the boy who cried wolf, right? It's like you do this yeah. too many times, like I'm not going to believe you anymore or I'm yeah. not going to like buy into the drama of it next time you do that to me again. So I'm not saying this necessarily to be like, oh, um, I hate this ending. I, I mean, I think it's it's not the worst ending I've ever seen. No, it's fine. It just, it seemed to fall flat and I'm, I, I wanted to see if anybody else had an opinion about how... Or, or maybe why that worked, if mm -hmm. you felt that way. Anybody? Go ahead, Keith. Yeah, um, maybe I'm just revisionist history here to make myself feel better about it or not. But <laughs> what, what I can justify it as is, especially at the end, after the second fake out or whatever, her like visor breaks off, and then she's just... Oh, know, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Math. So if you wanted to still get your you know, have your cake and eat it too, you could say that that was the moment where like the pure programming cosmos... Died, died and she became Fair enough. a full new being. Fair enough. You <laughs> know what? So that that would hit more powerfully if we then got to see her interact and then realize that the computer program had had gone and the new. Well, that's a good question. But to we didn't ask, see it since we haven't played episode two. Does Cosmos behave differently moving forward? Is she not so, I guess, uh, robotic in in her behavior or expression, or is um, she mostly the same in part two? Uh, in, she, in part three, there's a difference in part three. Part three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that, that is all I can say about that. Yeah. But the shield, <laughs> the shield coming off, like the shield's very important. Every time I see Cosmos and she has that visor covering her eyes, very unsettling. You don't know what you're going to get, right? It's oh, actually, sure. it's, it's quite that's creepy. that's what the archetype, she had that shield yes. on when she was yes. killing everybody, right? <clears throat> and so that's like kind of scary stuff, right? Yep. And so anytime you have an enemy or a, a, once again, we're going to deal with this in Silent Hill too, uh, but whenever you can't see the eyes of whatever you're dealing with, it's it's scary. Like you don't know what to think. You don't know how to take it. You you immediately project the worst possible like motive to whatever it is, right? So when as soon as Cosmos' eyes gets covered, it's like, it's it's pretty creepy. So losing that is like losing your persona in Jungian psychology. It's like losing the shell, the mask that you wear, and now you're exposed. Your true self is exposed. Yeah. You know, this is jumping ahead just a little bit to the very, very ending, the last line in the game, where Cosmos says, mission complete, Xion, and Xion looks at her and kind of smiles and says, welcome back. I almost felt like yeah. this was a total missed opportunity, especially yeah, if they could have had Keith's interpretation here about the death of the programming part of Xion. Uh, remember what she told Alan to say to Xion when she wakes up, or to, to Cosmos for the yeah. first time? Yeah. Wasn't oh. there a couple of different places where she says, like, good morning? Good morning, Cosmos, yeah. Cosmos, like, the, the beginning in the yeah. encephal, or the first encephalo, like, the very beginning yeah. of the game. 
Good morning, Cosmos. And then she tells Alan, oh, he's all concerned, but what should I say to... It was Kevin. Yeah, it was Kevin. Oh, Kevin. 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 Sorry. Yeah, yeah, Kevin. that's why. Kevin. Yeah, yeah. Um, not Alan. Kevin. Uh, you know, Kevin, what should I say you to... Should say, oh, you should say, good yeah. morning. Yeah. I wonder if they could have had a, a shot maybe where like... Because uh, they're, they're in orbit of Milsha, right? And you see the sun sort of just rising like cresting yeah. or rising. And she says, good morning, Cosmos. And that would mean like there's sort of a rebirth of Cosmos after this yeah. sacrifice. She's different somehow. Yeah, no, that would have been better, yeah. I like that too because you say good morning and especially when it was, well, I like when you're out in space, well, yeah. is there morning, <laughs> is right? There, but, right? So that way the idea of saying good morning is more symbolic just sure. by nature yeah. because – I mean, I guess if you're on a planet, then there's still morning, more or less. Um, anyways. Anyway, I, that was That's, just a thought that I had. That but would be good. there's a couple other things with some other characters here. Yes, Nephilim asks do. Chaos. <laughs> okay, so from this point on, we, the game uh, developers, decided to introduce lots of more mysteries uh, <laughs> <All> <laughs> before the game finally ends. a ton of us. They're just yep. like, okay, what can we do us. now? Here, more intrigue, no answer. You do not get any answers to anything <laughs> from this point on. You get yeah. lots, lots, lots more questions, which is fine because yeah. we're going to, the games continue, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Nephilim asks Chaos, what will you do now? Mm-hmm. And Chaos doesn't say anything. Yep. <laughs> we don't know what their relationship is, but Nephilim and Chaos know each other. They're very familiar with each other. Um, they know what each other is up to, each other are up to, and mm-hmm. they um, are just kind of having like a friendly conversation, right? And somehow they, we've come to the end of something here, mm-hmm. and Chaos now has a decision to make. And we don't know what chaos has been doing this whole time. We don't know yeah. who chaos is, but somehow whatever we do next will be whatever chaos wants to do next. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I got for that. Yeah. Um, it was also interesting. Uh, chaos hands kind of started glowing. They glow golden. In the middle of Cosmos sort of out Kay. there in the shield and everything. Remember you know. the story of Marionkind. Yes. Where Mary, Mary, sorry, where, ah, the girl, can't remember her name. The child of Mary, wasn't that yeah. it? It was, but I can't remember the name. Um, she opens the 13th door to the final Zohar and her hand turns golden or a finger yeah. or something because she beholds God, right? Right. And she is sent back down to earth. Um, let's see. Sorry, my notes are a little bit scatterbrained here towards the end. I was kind of oh. just like all over the place. But. I, oh, here, let me add some. And this is Chaos that. Hands, Chaos, not Cosmos, right? Chaos, chaos Hands, Golden. Hands goal. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what's up with that. Yeah, okay, go uh, ahead, TJ. Let me add something to that. It's the same, it, I think it's like immediately after you see Chaos's Hands turn gold. It's a, it's, It cuts away to this room. It's this just white room and there's this little boy inside. Yeah, and, who was that? And uh, well, I mean, don't tell me blocks and... <laughs> And but like, like, like in his like, mind, he's playing with blocks, like the Matrix, yeah. right? Like bend the spoon. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. But but it's this like it's this pure white room. This little boy who looks like someone that we've you know that someone that should look familiar to all of us. Dang it! And I'm so bad at that in this game. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, that's all I'm gonna say. It's, okay. It's a very quick scene. It's like five seconds, but you see oh. it, and then it cuts away. It's never yeah. mentioned again. But it's like, right. what is this? Who is this? Why are they showing us this? <laughs> We're really not allowed to talk about that because there's it, there's you know. not. It's it's yeah. okay. Because I think if you played previous games, it yeah. also looks like someone. So that, oh yeah, no, Dang, it's saying. just with, with anime art. I will I will forever have trouble. Being, oh, don't these two characters <laughs> no, look alike? I'm like, dude, they all is, look alike. Is, it's anime. <laughs> it is 
specifically designed to look I like gotcha. someone that we've seen before. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yes. I know exactly who you're talking yes, about. Yes, you do. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I know. Yes. Do, do we say it or not? I'm the only one that doesn't know. <laughs> I mean, it's Abel. Yeah. yeah. It look, yeah. The, the, Wait, who, this, it's a kid the game? who looks. Yeah, in the character in Xenosaga, in, it's a kid who looks exactly like Abel from Xenogears. Yeah. Oh, from Xenogears. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Okay, yeah. cool. And when I, first I still played, don't know what that's talking about then. <laughs> yeah, and when I first played Xenosaga, I was all about like, please be there a connection to Xenogears. So when I saw that, I lost my mind. So, oh, right, sweet. Right. Okay, well, um, sick. <laughs> that's cool. I just I thought of Kingdom Hearts when I thought of that. I thought of um of um like they're oh, playing Jess. Yeah. Not well. Okay, there's Nominee in the White Room, but I was yeah. thinking more of Xehanort, like young Xehanort playing chess with what's his name. Oh, and right, they're right, like yeah. playing their little game in a White Room, and I'm like, it's that's <laughs> yeah. all I could think of. Yeah, yeah, he he looks exactly like Abel. Like Abel, yeah. Who, who was from the the time period where the ship crashed? The early yeah. time period, yeah. yeah. The early, yeah. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. For in case anyone hasn't <laughs> in played, case you Zeno haven't played Gears, so I won't connect yeah. that to another character from that game. But right, yeah. yeah so I've got like, that. I, I wrote here: Nephilim looks up from the mountains. This young kid is playing with blocks who is a prodigy of sorts, and he is looking up too, and the camera follows the gaze upwards. And then we see Wilhelm, who is doing something. He is watching for some reason. Oh, that's yes. right. And then, wow, blue-eyed Cosmos is back. Anyways, um, who is the black-haired guy on second Guinan, Milsha? Guinan, or Helmer. Was that... Helmer or Guinan? Helmer's like the um, okay. like the representative of Second Milsha and then the yeah. ambassador or whatever. Yes, but I'm talking about. I was probably talking about whoever you guys were just talking about. And then oh. the target is on Milsha. Utik has a target, and their target is on Milsha. That's okay. Guinan who says that. Oh, is it Guinan? Oh, yeah, because oh, yeah, because yeah. yeah, Guinan and Helmer are talking to each other. Their target is on Milsha. We're yeah. getting set up for the next mission should yeah, you choose this, to accept it. Yeah, this is like set up for episode two. Yeah, it's all set up. And I'm not a huge fan of it because I'm just like, don't give me more questions, dude. I finished your game so that I could have an answer or two. And Some instead kind of I'm getting like 12 questions all at once yeah, and then it's right, over. Right. And then um, Albedo, yeah, there's a vortex of temptation and obsession that still remains. It draws them in. Albedo, too. Yeah, that's so, right. And then people are like lamenting over Albedo. They're like, oh, he's a useful pawn, but he's not all that, you know? And like, I'm seeing yeah. all this stuff. They're, they're giving me all these questions of just like, are you kidding me? Come on, come on, come on. So um, Albedo is the only one who can open the door to Abel's Ark. So the name Abel does show up here oh, at yeah. the very end yeah, uh, yeah. in these credits. They do say yeah. that, yeah. Albedo Abel, is the only one who can yeah. open the door to Abel's Ark. Abel's Ark? It's Noah's Ark. Well, than the Ark of the Covenant, but Abel, like, what's going on yeah. here? Okay, so we got a lot of questions for that, right? So that's like 12 right. questions in that one sentence. Right. <laughs> that's Wilhelm talking, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's Wilhelm, yeah. And then Momo needs to link up with the Unus Mundus network in order for Albedo's plan to be complete. Albedo is only a key, but that's what everyone is for. And this, who said that? Who said that? He said, you're all just keys. He's like, Albedo yeah. is but a key, but of course... So are you all. And like, it's like this, like, <laughs> and everyone just accepts it. Aren't we all keys after all? Yes, yes. Million dollars. Yep, yep. Um, um, oh, my gosh. And then, yeah, using the credit scenes to create more intrigue. I am very intrigued. It worked. It worked. I am <laughs> yeah. very, very intrigued. Yeah. yeah. But, but my gosh, leave that for the intro of the next game. Don't, don't leave me on with all these yeah, questions. I was going to say, like, like, imagine how I felt, you know, having to wait two oh, years for yeah, the sequel dude. to come out when I was 13. <laughs> Like, Holy oh my crap, gosh. I can't imagine. I'm losing my mind. 
<laughs> but, yeah, I have no idea mind. when the next one's coming out. Yeah. Well, this kind of brings up yeah. a, a point that I'll just make really quickly, and I think we can wrap this up and then hand hand it over. I to just read through all my notes, about. if you couldn't tell. <laughs> but um, how how to handle endings of something that is built that to continues. be multiple parts, right? Yeah. Um, Fellowship a, of the Ring, dude. <laughs> that actually, yes, that's, that's that like is the, the perfect. I think that's the perfect way to do it. There's like a hopeful note, but then this like horribly pessimistic, yeah. like scene but a hopeful note you know i don't know this was something actually i was i was thinking a lot about because i was getting feedback during the time when i was writing the ending to the novel that i'm working on Mm -hmm. and the people that i have sort of giving me feedback on it was wow this leaves off on a really dark note like i i I don't feel great like when this ends kind of thing and not that like every story has to end on a hopeful note or that it's never right to sort of gut punch your audience and leave them hanging or something like that but there is something I think to be said about like, what did I come, what did I sit here in the theater for three and a half hours <laughs> for to just have you leave me feeling like that when it's over, right? Yeah. Like yeah. imagine if Fellowship of the Ring had ended on the note that- Inception. Uh, 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 well, Inception is, yeah. is an interesting point too, but um, you know, Frodo and Sam are separated and like Boromir is dead and Gandalf is dead, and it's just like, oh my goodness, what do we do now, the end. (laughs) Versus what they did, which is they got all the way through a really traumatic, difficult scene, but then in both instances, as the story splits, you have Frodo and Sam have a conversation that ends on a really hopeful note. Yeah. That like, I'm glad you're with me. I'm right. Glad you're with like, yeah. despite everything that happened, like I can take some hope in the fact that at least you came with me. I didn't go alone. Which plays to the theme. Cause the theme is though all the world be dark around you, you know, there's light in friendship, right? Yeah. There is, there is hope in each other. Yeah. And that's Aragorn and Legolas. Like if we hold true to each other, you know, yeah, right. there's still hope. And, and it's like the, it, it, with uh, the whole, you know, the the whole world of the Lord of the Rings just like falling apart. You get the theme shines through, and it's very clear. Right. And the theme comes up and says, "But this is what's important, right. and this is what's going to overcome it all." You know. And then on the other side of that, you have Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas, kind of in their moment of like defeat, yeah. coming together and being like, "No, we've we've got." We got to find out what happened to Mary and Pippin. We're not just going to abandon them, right? Right. Let's, We're all going to stay. And you together, get excited yeah. about what the next step is. So, yeah. I think that there's really something to be said about leaving off on a, on a note that makes people feel depressed or like, oh, like, oh, that was awful, or at least giving them something to look forward to and resolving it to some degree. I, I don't think you necessarily have to end on a happy or positive note, but I do no. think some form of resolution is important for people to feel like I didn't waste my time playing this game for 45 hours. (laughs) Like, I feel like I got somewhere. (laughs) Bonus points. If it's like the theme that shines in keeping with the theme of the whole, of the whole world. For sure. It's, it's, it's important to punctuate, put a period on the end of it, resolve it with the theme being present. Like we learned this through this experience. This was what it was about. We, we resolved that point. Uh, part two might have elements of that theme that might be through the whole series, but like it's going to have a different sort of like thing that we'll be focusing on there, right? Yeah. That's, I think it's important to do that in resolving uh, a part one or a part two, even though there's another part coming. It, it, at least you don't feel 
like, oh no, like I can't wait, or like you, you feel mm-hmm. some resolution is what I'm trying to get to. Okay. So I think that that's important. I don't know how successful this was at doing that as much as it was in creating more questions. Um, but again, I, I'm not trying to rail on it. I really, really liked this game. It's really good. Um, <laughs> Me too. I'm glad I, you guys I, liked, I liked it. it. Yeah. I liked it way more than I expected to like it. Oh, actually. me too. Oh, that, that's, I, that's great. Okay. I, um, yeah. Low I, expectations was probably a good thing. <laughs> I, I, it's not necessarily even that I had low expectations as yeah. much as I, I guess I had heard things about Xenosaga. Yeah, me too. That led me to believe it was such a mess in terms of yeah. its development that th- there's no way they could have yeah, really yeah. pulled something out that felt satisfying. And I'm I'm very happy to have been wrong in that assumption. Like yeah. mm-hmm. the encephalon dive sequence was yeah, alone, yeah. so yeah. dense with the type of material that that is the reason I love Xeno games. Yeah, e- enough to you know sort of dive into and and analyze and and chew on that any other failing that this series had in this game or that may come afterwards, I don't really care. I sort of got what I came for already in yeah. just that. And, and that's just a setup to something yeah, yeah. that I'm very excited to see the resolution of. And so as much as I know, like TJ and others are not big episode two fans, like mm-hmm. I'm fully ready to like embrace whatever that is because like episode three as a resolution to what that setup was in the encephalon mm-hmm. dive sequence of part one is um, it's really exciting that yeah. that's coming. I'm, I'm very excited yeah, yeah. to get to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I will say that the resolution that we get in episode three, at least for me and for a lot of people that I've talked to who have also played through the rest of the series is very satisfying. Oh, good. Yeah. Des- despite the fact that they had to, you know, course correct and you know end the series prematurely and do all this stuff and you know it it should have been a disaster and they they pulled out a miracle somehow yeah Yeah. i agree i agree yeah it was exceptional exceptional um you know nothing is perfect so you should never have the expectation of i i I hope i get a perfect story in this um (laughs) the 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 highlights are strong enough to me that it, it justifies any time spent in whatever amount of time it's going to take to get back through it, uh, through the rest of it. So, um, I loved it. Beloved Me it. too. Had a great however, time. However, I <laughs> want <clears throat> everybody to understand something real quick. Okay. Keith, Keith came on to yes. talk about another thing. Yes. Not, not just what he has already talked about, which has been great, <sighs> but, um, there was something else that we didn't really go into much at all, which is uh, terror management theory. And yes. it has a lot to do with the game. And before we wrap everything up, I actually really want to hear um, Keith's explanation of uh, how exactly this fits into to Zeno Saga Episode 1. All right, let's pass it over, yeah. Sure, yeah, thanks. Happy to, happy to go into it. And uh, as you can probably infer from the top of this call, it actually directly relates to sort of my work at the charity because it's this oh, kind of narrative of terror management theory that when you're working on trying to extend healthy lifespan, you run into, right? So I want to just recap the theory in case your audience is not familiar with it, and then maybe walk through how it's presented with, uh, I think, Cherenkov's plot, and then Albedo goes nuts with it. <laughs> so, yeah, great, uh, great. Yeah, so long story short, uh, terror, terror management theory has its root in this work, I believe it was in 1974, a book called The Denial of Death by a cultural anthropologist named Ernst Becker. 
uh, who yes. I believe was oh, nice. Yeah, I think he was an infantryman in World War II, which may make what follows make more sense, right? Mm. Uh, so basically, again, I'm going to like very much condense it, right? But the theory is essentially that um, deep down inside, you know, as part of your shadow, perhaps, uh, you know that you're going to die and this existential dread is there, but you can't like look at it directly. You can only look at it obliquely. So you sublimate. And this is yeah. the birth of all of the desires that you have in your life. Like everything has its root in this. You know, if you want to have children, obviously, if you want to do great work, so your name is on a school somewhere and like somehow the, the waves of your existence have permeated after you die. Like that's the story that you tell yourself uh, so that you can survive. And According to Ernst Becker at the time, there's really only two options that you have in that soup, right? You can either accept that death is coming and, you know, then you become like Buddha and impermanent like Yoda, right? Or you try to uh, fight against death. And in Ernst Becker's conception, that's the path to evil, right? You know, this is why wars happen because because right. I, can't, I can't control my own mortality if I become a military leader and I can inflict death onto other people i have power over death right right so this is kind of like the overall theory uh but the part that i want to like introspect on is this idea that like you want to know you want to assert your existence and like this is core to your identity and this works its way very specifically in the conversations that mogulus and cherenkov have in the beginning of the game where even at one part when um uh Margulis is sort of like you know pulling in um Cherenkov into his fold. He says, you know, all you ever wanted in your life was to leave a legacy. Show me the proof of your existence. Very yeah, over. Right. <laughs> right. There you like, go. Yeah. Yep, yep. Like very on the nose. And, and in that idea of like wanting to be recognized, not even in like a, an egotistical aggrandizing way, but like wanting to know that your existence has mattered uh, echoes a lot in various subplots in the game. Just to pick one out of the top of my hat, uh, mm. the Kirschwasser says to Momo, like, you know, like we all wanted to be you, you know, daddy, daddy looked at you. He didn't look at us. Like we wanted yeah, to Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and this mm. uh, kind of like also echoes, uh, I can't remember if you guys have ever talked about notes from the underground by uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky. I don't I think we have. That. No, I don't think that is ever came such up, a good yeah, book. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. <laughs> amazing yeah. book. So, so that's kind of in there. Uh, so mm -hmm. I could pause on the Cherenkov stuff or do you want me to go right into the Albedo stuff? Uh, go right into it. Go yeah, right into just it. take us wherever you want to take us. Okay, okay. So the scene that really kind of goes nuts with this is when he's kind of, uh, I guess, you know, I don't know how, what we want to say, but sort of assaulting uh, Momo and having yeah, that. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a way to put it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that dialogue with her. But here, uh, this all becomes very clear that what Albedo is trying to do is to try to not be involved in this delusional rat race and just go for the thing itself and everything else that yes. humanity is doing is like backwards and it's taking you backwards so let me show you the pain of how we actually confront death and then you can be like me a perfect existence right right sure and then sure. where it gets really really interesting is when he's confronting momo who's a stand-in for sakura sakura the meaning of it is uh, represents the impermanence of life right that's what the mm. that's what it means mm -hmm. in case i'll defer to you on this yeah um, well it's the sakura only blooms for like Gosh, like one week when the yeah, sakura the show up and then they, they fall yeah. down. Mm -hmm. It's a very brief moment. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not like a flower that sticks around for months, you know? Right. It, it shows up. You have this cool beauty for like a few days, really. Yeah. And then they just start dropping down and it's, it's very temporary. Yeah. yeah. And then to build off of that, Albedo almost becomes offended by the fact that Momo is not sort of 
recognizing or living up to that where you know you, you know the, you're a pure soul and all that kind of stuff so that's where when he starts to rip his head off and cut his arms off he's like let me show mm. you let me show you reality and he's showing mortality he's showing like death and showing how he is transcending beyond it uh, so he's right. like really getting in her face about it and then there's also kind of a branch off of this where one of the ways where you can kind of escape uh this kind of terror is in like sexuality and love you know th eros right. and thanatos well so this is called it's it's similar to nietzsche it would be the will to pleasure right, right and right. Th there's a principle there which goes along with the idea of desire you, the purpose of life is to get what you want because of death anxiety and exactly. that's one way of looking at it <laughs> this so is the reason why I, I bring I'm, that uh, er, the eros and thanatos thing in particular uh stick around for our next podcast on um Silent Hill too, because that's going to be a huge part of <laughs> that. It's going to be a trip, I, yeah. I <laughs> Good commercial for the next episode. Excellent. So, <laughs> how to tie that into this is it's worth noting that right after uh, Albedo challenges Momo like that, that's when she starts thinking kind of romantically of Rubido, and then he's like, "Oh, you're thinking of Rubido now." Yes, so, like, that's like right. that, that kind of swizzle to dodge death into uh, like romance it happens yeah. like right in that scene. Wow, I didn't that's pick up on great. that. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. So it, it's very interesting. Wow. And then just just to put a cap on it all, um, the very last scene at the game, the credits and the intrigue, the obsession that remains. When that dialogue, you know, the obsession that remains is said, you see a scene of. Uh, I don't. He doesn't have a name yet, but Shion's brother Jin, right? Jin Azuki, uh, yeah. praying, oh, right. at, praying at the shrine, uh, yeah. referring to the earlier comment of like, you know, uh, honoring your dead being some like archaic, like outdated tradition, and that's yeah. been being shown when yeah. it's the obsession that remains line that is said. So, wow! Wow! So I, so that's I think fantastic. That, that's huge. <laughs> like, I don't even know what to say. That's something I need yeah. to chew on for, yeah. for a little while. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm excited to get into episode two. That's cool. Thank you, Keith. That was that was mm -hmm. awesome. That's yeah, that amazing. was great. That was fantastic. Sure. Um, and one, one final point on that, just because yeah. it relates to some of the things that you brought up in earlier conversations and also in this episode where you had mentioned uh, you know, how you need challenge for life to have a meaning and all yes. this kind of stuff. So yeah. the yeah. one area where I have a distinction with you on, which maybe we can talk about separately with your, okay. with your patrons or something like that, is I don't think death is a necessary component for that challenge. And there's like studies that show that. So that's well, where we kind of disagree. Your, yeah, your um, your work would, would say, yeah, would speak to well, that. Well, yeah, I mean, that would be, I mean, I think we talked about this too, Keith. Uh, it was either... I don't remember if it was on Patreon, if it was on uh, Twitter, but having a, a further conversation about that, I'd love to do that um, because, yeah, like this is a kind of an open-ended conversation we've had on the podcast going back, I think, for a couple of years now about, you know, it goes all the way back to yeah, even uh, after I, I think we had that podcast after I had come back from Hawaii and I was, I remember I talked about like the parents there was and the, the little baby who was watching the the bird and 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 oh, it was yeah. all excited. It was a new experience. Yes, of seeing yeah, this bird and for the you first did time. the 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 Jerry so, Seinfeld thing about new experiences. Right, right, right. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, it, it's kind of just something that's been on my mind for a long time. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's let's definitely hook up again at some point and talk about that, and maybe even uh, work it into some uh, future conversation on the podcast because this is this is something that's fascinating. Is yeah, deeply just fascinating to me. So tie it to that framework that we just talked about. So what basically I advocate a lot for is forgetting about the whole like immortality aspect. I'm more right, about right. just extending life extension, lifespan, yeah. right? But so basically what I've been trying to do with my advocacy work is to find the third way that Ernst Becker doesn't discuss the can you have a positive confrontation with mortality? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. 
Okay. Well, let's um, That's let's awesome. definitely uh, keep talking <laughs> about that and and see if we can bring that up again in the future, uh, and work it into something. So, um, I don't have anything else. Uh, I have. I've read in all terms my, of notes. my notes. Uh, TJ, uh, I think we need to hand it off to you to to have anything you want to yes. say to leave Take off us away. episode one. Yeah. Oh my God, you're gonna make <laughs> me follow what he said. <laughs> oh. oh well, yeah. I mean. Well, I, yeah, I, I guess I'll be well, more... Well, maybe maybe even if, if you don't have anything specific that, that mm-hmm. you want to say in terms of uh, analysis, maybe you can set us up somehow for part two or something, right? Like yeah, yeah, at yeah. setting expectations, um, yeah, you yeah, know, like where it's going, uh, maybe how to approach it. What books to read before. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, well, the, uh, well, I guess the obvious one would be Nietzsche's Beyond Good and Evil because that's the yes. game takes its subtitle. Uh, from Beyond Good go. and Evil. Um, I will say, um, yeah, I, I do hope, like, I know you're going to do Silent Hill 2 next, and I hope you guys do come back to do the subsequent games. Um, we will. If people vote for it, we will. So okay, let, me, let me just address that right now, because we've had several people asking, are you going to go straight into yeah. episode two after I, this? I, we can't I figured do it you yet. weren't, because it's, it's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and this isn't how we've handled any games that have sequels in the past in our podcast. We did Mass Effect 1. We didn't just go straight into Mass Effect 2. Yeah, right. um, we did Nier. We didn't go straight into Automata. So, um, no, we're going to take a break from it, but it will appear in the future on Patreon in a vote for sequels to games we've done on the podcast. We'll, we'll, every once in a while, we do a... Um, okay. Which sequel to a game we've played on the podcast so far should we do next? Yeah. So Xenosaga Episode 2 will now appear on that vote going I forward. I see. Okay. So uh, it'll go up against games like Mass Effect 2 and Near Automata. Uh, so those will be the That's kind of the three together. <laughs> and so if yeah. you would like us to, to get to Episode 2 of Xenosaga right away, uh, the best way to directly impact that would be to... Uh, contribute on Patreon and be a part of that vote. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways, back to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, episode two. I I know I've you know made a whole like hour and a half long video talking about why <laughs> I don't think it's that good of a game. Uh, I will say, <laughs> in spite of all that, there is a um, I, I you know there is a kernel of like of greatness that is underneath all the all the problems I have with the game, all the the issues. There is still something you know, buried underneath the surface of all that, that I still think for as many problems as I have, it is worth, you know, it is worth checking out. And there are some scenes, you know, there's not a ton of them, but there are some scenes that are very, like very emotionally impactful. Um, it's a, it's a much shorter game. It's about twice as short as episode one. You can probably oh, really? finish it. It's like, yeah, it's like a 20 or 25 hour game. Oh, wow. It's okay. yeah. It's uh, so you, so it'll hmm. probably take like, what this is like what episode 12 11 of, i think this is 11, 11 yeah so i think you can get through like, like if you did it if you did it on the podcast you could probably get through it in like four or five episodes okay well very very interesting well yeah i mean i i like short games this is kind of a, a <laughs> yeah. thing on, on yes. our on our yeah. channels yeah. It, the shorter it is the more appealing it is to me to be honest <laughs> yeah. yeah you can easily get through episode two in 20 hours and then episode three goes back up and that's like 50 hours um, okay great cool all right well okay that sounds good well thank you guys so much really appreciate this, it this has been on. a treat yeah. uh, it's been great um meeting both of you and uh yeah. you know talking about talking about xenosaga and being enlightened and mm-hmm. um we have uh some other people 
who I'm going to be bringing on for future episodes, but I definitely want to have the both of you on again. It's been a pleasure oh. talking with you both. Yeah, uh, I learned a lot I, by having you ooh. here. I'm glad you've been here. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you for inviting. You know, I never thought when I made my little video <laughs> series on these games that I'd get a comment from you guys asking me to to join you on the podcast. That was like a like a holy crap. Is this really going? Because <laughs> um, like yeah, because like like Keith, I've been watching you guys' stuff for like a couple of years now. So never in a million years would I thought that. Um, but yeah, I will come on whenever you guys want me to be on i'll be on okay that sounds Absolutely. good and, 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 and i came on with a complete like left curve uh, email out of nowhere so i know that's <laughs> that's my bad i'm i'm so bad at planning and like yeah. giving people advance notice and it's just because i'm i'm a kind of over it's not an excuse but i i get i allow allow myself to get overwhelmed and then it's like oh yeah this i had to do oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah and then it's like always the last second so i apologize for that oh, no, I, I uh, i'll try to be better about it i was just saying i appreciate because my I wasn't like a gaming YouTuber. I just came out of nowhere. So I appreciate right. that you uh, were interested in. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Uh, when you, when you told me about uh, the stuff that you're involved in, I, I knew immediately like this is, this is very relevant. And this is, uh, I mean, for me, like I, I almost just want a, a Keith podcast uh, talking about <laughs> this stuff. Like, I feel like I, yeah. uh, we need to work a we, game in there somehow. That, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, uh, it, Anytime, anytime you want to come on, uh, when it's when it's relevant to uh, you know sort of what what we're what we're exploring, I, I would love to have you on again. So, okay. appreciate you guys. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up there. That's our analysis of Xenosaga episode one. Um, hopefully, it won't be too long before we get to episode two. But in, in the meantime, stick around for Silent Hill part or Silent Hill two because there's a lot of similar. Uh, sort of themes that, that we'll be exploring there and um, this is the first horror game that we'll be covering um, Yeah, I, I'm a particularly huge fan of psychological horror in mm -hmm. particular and so this series is really special uh, for those who are into that so um, yeah. that'll be next week uh, thank you for joining us and have a, have a great week, peace out <laughs>